In today's episode, we have Sam Armstrong. She is an accredited practicing dietitian, sports dietitian, and silver level swim coach from Brisbane, Australia, with over 10 years' experience working with adolescent athletes. Her goal is simple. She wants to ensure that no teenager is limited from reaching their goals by the food they eat. This drive comes from Sam's own past where she was a very successful teenage athlete until sickness, eating disorders, and a general lack of understanding of her health and nutrition eventually drove her out of the sport she loved. These days, she loves to work with teenagers to empower them to know how food affects their growth and performance but also to help their families by providing simple food solutions. You can find Sam on Instagram at peak underscore potential nutrition. Sam, super excited to have you on the show today. I can't wait to learn more about you and your business. Thank you so much. So before we get started, I would love for the audience to know, is there any other place that they can find you that you want me to mention? Yeah, so I am also on Facebook at the same as Peak Potential Nutrition. So look up either of those and you'll find me straight away. Cool. Will do. So Sam, I'd love to know a little bit more about your nutrition philosophy. So can you dive into that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So my nutrition philosophy sort of came from my mentor and I know she got it from someone else as well, but it's really simple. Good nutrition is free speed. So no matter what sport you're doing, no matter what, you know, whatever your like athletic goals are, if you eat better, you'll get there faster. And I think that's so important for, we get all caught up in all the sports science a lot these days and a lot of the real minutiae of biomechanics, but you know, then we're not sleeping enough or eating well. And then it can just be fixed so easily by just making little things better. So I'll, I'll always drive that home with my athletes, that good nutrition is free speed. I absolutely love how you frame that, that good nutrition is free speed. I wish someone would have told me that back in my track and field days. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I was the same in swimming. Like I just thought, you know, less food was going to make me go faster. And so like, yeah, definitely having that kind of knowledge around like, oh, if I fuel myself correctly, I don't have to do a million sessions a week. I don't have to be, you know, doing all this stuff. I can just fuel myself properly and I'll get better. Yeah, I can tell your enthusiasm for what you do really comes through. So I would love to know a little bit how you approach your goals in your business. And I can tell it's probably with that same level of enthusiasm. So can you share with us how you approach those goals? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm someone who I think a million miles a second, I have to really slow myself down a lot of the time. So I tend to have a lot of ideas about my business and then I have to sort of step back and go, okay, cool. These are all great. When are they happening? Like, is this an 18 month goal? Is this a two year goal? Is this a six month goal? And then once I timeline them is going, okay, how much each day do I need to spend on doing this particular goal? Like if it's a six month goal, I probably need to spend a lot of time on it. Where if it's a goal I want in 18 months time, eh, less time right now. So definitely scheduling is a big thing for me. If I don't schedule what I'm doing with my business for like down the long term, like either through the week or through the month, things don't get done. So Yeah. I mean, definitely you make such a great point. Breaking down those bigger goals into smaller manageable goals allows you to take action and not get overwhelmed with something like you said, 18 months from now. Like obviously the steps today can help you get closer, but you don't need to think about that today. No. And the thing is, is that like, so one of the things, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but I opened up my own sort of brick and mortar business a couple of months ago. And that was definitely a goal of mine, but that was an 18 month goal. But 
then COVID happened. And so I was like, well, we can move that one up. But I was only able to do that because I already had that goal and I was just able to rearrange the timeline, obviously, when circumstances changed. So, yeah, it's so important to know when to pivot and having the steps in place to make that pivot successful. So it sounds like a lot of that work you did allowed you to make that transition more seamless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So since we're talking about business and starting business, can you talk about your journey starting and growing your business? I know you have an in-person business. And if you would like to talk about that first and then get to the online, it'd be great for the listeners to kind of hear how you made that shift. Yeah, definitely. So um, my journey is probably a little bit different to, I think a lot, I've listened to a lot of the podcasts on here already. And I think like the American model of how you guys travel through dietetics is a little bit different to our models. So essentially I finished my master's three years ago um, because we have to have a master's here or equivalent. And during that master's is when we do what I think you guys call your internship. We call it placement, but you basically work in a hospital or a clinical setting for a certain period of time while you're also studying, which is so much fun. So I actually never worked in a clinical space. So I did my placement and then immediately as placement was done, I was very fortunate. There's not many clinical or hospital jobs offered in um, Queensland. And I was like sort of tentatively offered one by my sort of like head, the people who were running at the hospital at the dietetics department. And my personal mentor went, don't do it. You don't love this. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're really good at it, but I can see it. Like, this is not what you love. And we'd had a conversation about six months prior. He goes, what do you love? I'm like, I love athletes. I love, no, I love people achieving their goals. I love sort of helping people get to those goals. And I get really frustrated in hospital because it was, I never got to see people to their end point. I never got to see people improve to that point where they reached their goals because it was either in an acute setting or outpatient and realistically not very motivated. So I, you know, then eventually I went straight into private practice. When I sort of finished um, my master's, I worked for a company that was in private practice and they were really good with my business. So they taught me a lot around like the initial marketing and business stuff, which I'm always really grateful for. I worked for them for three years. They were really good, especially in that first year, because like, I think you guys, you come out of finishing nutrition with zero business experience, like none and no idea how to sell yourself and no idea how to market yourself and no idea how to value yourself. So they were really good for this first year, made like really good instrumental kind of to help me build my business. And that's actually when I started my Instagram as well. But then I got a little lost along the way. So the middle year, my mentor moved to the US actually. She works with the Olympic team over there now. So that was fantastic. But she, yeah, so she's wonderful, but she, she obviously moved and I kind of felt a bit lost once she moved. And then about a year after that, I was just like, just not even sure I wanted to do dietetics. Like I was just really kind of burnt out from like the real overt salesy kind of part of it. And I wasn't sure what I was doing, you know, seeing the clients I wanted to see. And I was just sort of looking around and then I found Libby's stuff and I contacted her end of last year and went, Hey, like, what's the deal? Like, what do I need to do? We back and forth for a bit. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm not sure if I have the capital right now to go and do that. So get back to me in a few months. COVID happened. So then I used COVID to basically pivot away from the um, business I was working at because I just felt like they were no longer serving me and the business um, mentoring I was now, well, business and marketing mentoring that I was now going to get through Libby's program, I didn't need to be at that company for. So I was able to pivot to there. And then, yeah, I went from 
really just feeling down and not having that many clients and just feeling a little bit like out of sorts to this first two months of my business being open, like both from an online and from a brick and mortar perspective has been amazing. Like I've managed to like triple what I was making pre COVID to what I'm making now. So that's been really exciting. It's all very new still, but it just, I found that Libby's program just allowed me to, it gave me the love back for what I wanted to do. Not just because it gave me some structure about how to actually you know, market myself and like sell myself, but also niching down to that ideal client made me happier. Like I actually got to work with teenagers again. I got to work with growing teenagers again. I got to sort of like talk to parents who wanted to help their teenagers out. Like I love all my clients equally, but I, I just have such an affinity for my teenage athletes. Like they just, they resonate so well with them and I just find it so easy to talk to them. Oh my God, your story is absolutely incredible. Thank you for taking us through your journey. And it all makes sense. It all connects. And I think a lot of listeners can relate. We go through all of this education and acquiring all this knowledge. And oftentimes what happens is you don't get those necessary skills. Like you mentioned, learning how to market yourself, learning how to value yourself, learning how to practice self-care so you don't burn out. And a lot of that comes with having the right systems. So I love that you mentioned the very act of hiring Libby as a mentor allowed you to not only triple what you made, but also bring your love back to the field because midway through, you almost thought about kind of throwing in the proverbial towel. And that's something a lot of people struggle with. They truly do. So I think a lot of them are going to find a lot of inspiration in what you just said. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that with the listeners. Yeah, not a problem. I think, yeah, I think definitely like the burnout rate, I don't know what it is in the US, but I know here the burnout rate for dietitians is so high and so many start that like I graduated with 40 other um, dietitians and I only know a handful of them that are still working and at least in this field. And a lot of them have moved on to either extra study. So they're just, you know, at a university kind of level doing a PhD or they're, you know, they're studying to be a doctor or some have pivoted to being like teachers and stuff like that. Like, and there's nothing wrong with being a teacher, but you don't do like five years of education and dietetics to not be a dietitian. (laughs) it, It was just crazy to me. Yeah, you are really spot on with those numbers. It tends to be that shift, especially when you don't have the mentorship or the guidance or the education to know what could be. You you oftentimes just know things because situationally based, nutrition and dietetics majors are oftentimes put into these categories and that's it. You don't know that there's other boxes that you could check off if you'd like. You just think this is my box or this is my box or this is my box. Okay, those are the three boxes. Well. I don't like any of them. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so like, because so many of the jobs are in sort of private practice work and not in clinical work, especially in Australia, like it's, you have to know this stuff. Like they don't do it well enough in our universities and you have to know like the other options that are out there and you have to be able, like, I think dietetics self-selects for these really perfectionist people, these really kind of like high intelligent, just, you know, you must, must do everything right. Must do everything exactly perfect. Must do all this. It like self-selects for that. I know for us, we have a, a GPA or like a grade we have to get into, to get into our masters. And if you don't get that, then you just don't get in. Like, so you've got this real high type A personality person that has to do everything right. And then you also don't teach them how to have their job. Like you teach them how to be really good at the actual like science of it, but not everything else. And it's just, it's such a gap, like absolutely such a gap in the market. You guys can't see me because this is the podcast, but I have my jazz snap fingers as she's talking over here. (laughs) You are on the money. You're preaching so much truth right now. 
And I love that, that you're sharing that because more people need to hear that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're taught to be really good at the science, not good at the business. That doesn't mean you can't still be in dietetics. Love it. 100%, 100%. So at the tail end of our last talk, when we were kind of talking about your business moving online, I heard you mention towards the end that you got really clear on your ideal client. And what ultimately allowed you to get really clear and feel confident and niching down to get to that client profile that you developed in Libby's program? Well, this is, was interesting. Like I said, so the company that I worked for originally, they had a good marketing and sort of business people the first, like when I was first there and they looked at me and went, well, you're a dietitian, but you've also worked 10 years in swimming. So why don't you just go after swimmers to start off with? Because you can speak their language, you understand them, you were a swimmer, you can go and talk to coaches and they'll actually listen to you. They'll give you the time of day. So why don't you start with that? And so I did. I went I went and did sort of in-person kind of talks to clubs and things like that. Just really just went out there and sort of put my face out there. That was really successful at the start. And why I was so successful in the first year And then I just got, you know, I got busy, I got overwhelmed, I started getting lots of clients just from a general population kind of point of view. And so I lost that. But I knew every week when I had teenagers come in, I'd be like, oh, I'd look at my week and be like, yeah, like such and such is coming in. Oh, I wonder how they went with their rugby this month and stuff like that. Like I would be super excited about how they were growing and how they were working with their teams and everything. So I always knew I loved them, but I just didn't really think about only only marketing to them or really niching down to be like I am that person for them and I'd get a ton of referrals that way too because you know if little Johnny in rugby is doing really well then his mate's going to want to come to see me too so I used to get a lot of that but yeah it just kind of fell away a little bit because I got overwhelmed at the amount of admin and stuff I was doing and there was a lot of stuff like otherwise going on in my life I suffered a lot of mental health kind of things so it was just it fell away and then when talking to Libby she first said okay well do you know what your ideal client is then I'm like yeah, absolutely. I've worked with them before. Like they're this. And she kind of just looks at me. She goes, wait, so you know, this is my first conversation I had with Libby. She's like, wait, so you know your ideal client? I'm like, yeah, no, no. I, I love working with teenage athletes. I think they're fantastic. And sort of just rattled on like I did then. And she's like, you're halfway there. Like you just need to actually market to that person then. Because if you already know that's successful and it's who you like working with, what are you doing? Like, why are you not doing this right now? And I was like, Ah, I never really thought about it. So like it was just my real light bulb moment because I had an ideal client. I had a person I love working with. I just never thought about niching down to actually I sort of market to them. And the the probably the biggest like hurdle with marketing to adolescent athletes is that you're not just marketing to them, you're marketing to the parents. And so you've got to like really straddle those two. And that was something that I learned was like, okay, well. I've got to be good for teenagers. So I've got to be like something that teenagers actually want to listen to, but I've also got to be informative enough for parents to go, Hey, she knows her stuff. I should probably go, go there. And part of me go, when I first started doing any kind of marketing, this was way back when I was told Instagram was for teenagers and Facebook was for the parents. And so I kind of marketed in that way. And more recently I'm like, Hmm, TikTok. So I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going in my next sort of phase, but there's definitely a little bit of that where are the teenagers and how do I, how do I appeal to them? Yeah. You mentioned so many awesome points. I love that you mentioned that it's oftentimes really easy to get overwhelmed. It does happen a lot in private practice. You might be doing consults for various types of people who have varying needs, but it's great that your practice did recognize that, oh, we'll give you more of the swimmers, but that still doesn't stop 
the flow of other referrals coming in. And it is, it is very helpful to just only focus on one target audience and being able to speak to them, like you mentioned, and not overwhelm yourself or have burnout because you're trying to be an expert in everything. So thanks for sharing that. And once you decided, okay, I'm marketing to them, I'm marketing to their parents, what would you say changed in your business in terms of being able to get more clear and actually execute that strategy on Instagram? Um, I think the biggest part was even like it was, it started first when I was setting up the brick and mortar office, like, because I've always worked in offices that were co-offices. So it was like, I was working, but maybe the dietitians were, or I was working there, but a podiatrist working there, or I was working there, but there was a physio there. So the rooms weren't exactly purpose-built dietetics or specifically not purpose-built for me. So it really started when I set up my office. I set up my office and I had, I had these little growth charts I used to use for knowing how kids are growing and whether they're doing well. They were like A4 or they were on my computer and I kind of try and show my sort of clients. I blew these up to A0 and stuck them on my wall and now like actually stand next to them and show kids how they're growing. And there was just this real shift to go, no, I'm not just making my office. I'm making my office that's, you know, it's got a bunch of, you know, this like silly things in my office. I've got like a cushion that says send snacks, you know, and I've got like a bunch of food models, but they're all like at that kind of, uh, all the kids' foods. They're not just like adult, boring, frozen meal stuff. Like it's all the stuff that you'd put in a kid's lunchbox and really just started purpose building for that. And then from there, I was like, well, if I'm putting all these products here, I may as well start marketing, you know, start doing them on my social media. And I got such an influx from parents going, oh, so are these the better muesli bars? Or should I be having this at this? It was just this influx of parents asking, but also kids. Like I would get you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds DM me and go, Hey, I haven't grown in like a year. And like, everyone's taller than me and getting better than me. How do I grow? And first one that really hit me, was this kid in like Colorado that like messaged me. I was just like, what? Like, how am I reaching all the way across there? Like, and now I'm talking like, and just, you know, obviously some of those are never going to, you know, some aren't going to be long-term clients and some just want a little bit of help. But like, I'm so much about value if I can provide value to people like it doesn't matter if that particular person can't you know doesn't have the funds for me or can't see me I continue to add value because you don't know who they talk to you don't know you don't know who they know and so often I'll get like a referral from someone with like oh yeah no a friend of mine said she followed your Instagram and like then recommended me to you and I'm like okay cool because everybody knows kids everyone knows like such and such has really busy teenagers that do this everyone knows those people so I always just want to provide more value and I think like the second that I actually just started talking about the thing I care the most about people recognize that and then I just started getting a flux of dms of people just going oh oh so I can just ask you about this stuff I'm like yes absolutely go for it Oh, I love that transition of how you set up your office and recognizing that if you set your environment that speaks to the very population that you're seeking to serve and you just translated that to Instagram, okay, what are the foods? What are the conversations that are being had? And just recognizing the importance of making sure that's a space that they recognize as a resource for them to have success. So I love that insight. And I like that you mentioned it's important just to keep showing up and adding value because you never know who they know and and where the referrals can come from through those little small conversations. And I think oftentimes people don't think about it. They don't think about how that small interaction, answering that one question in an Instagram story can lead to leads. 
Oh, absolutely. Like I had a new client the other day where the, how they came to me was they used to know someone that I used to coach, like swimming coaching, like six years ago, seven years ago, they were friends with that family. So they knew me as a swim coach. And then they found that, you know, they knew I was a dietitian and they knew I was working around the uh, sort of sports and athletes and then recommended this other person. Like it was just this real, just blast from the past kind of link. Like, Oh, do you know such and such? I'm like, yeah, like from years ago, like why? And so I, and I'll constantly just get like a, you know, someone like just come to see me like, Oh yeah, no, I'm friends with such and such. And like, I've not, I, you know, they've been saying to come to you for ages and I'm doing it now. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. So I think it's just so important to remind people that you exist and remind people and the way you do that is just by turning up and it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, you know, the, the best post you've ever made. I've like, there are definitely posts where I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that probably wasn't ideal. But the thing I probably struggled the most with, with posting and, you know, I'm in a bit of a slump with it at the moment is like, sometimes I'll get really busy with my life and I don't post as often as I need to because I'm still learning how to get that structure in place. And I used to get really anxious about it and go, well, if I haven't posted in a week, I can't post now because people will realize I haven't posted in a week. And like, I would feel like people were judging me around that. And then I realized that no one cares, like just keep posting. Like obviously the algorithm will take a while to catch back up again, but Overall, it's not like people are waiting on bated breath for my next post. They haven't noticed that I haven't posted in a week. I just start posting again. They'll be like, oh, look, Sam posted. Fantastic. Like they don't, I used to get so anxious around what I was posting and if I forgot to, and now I'm just like, hey, if I have a bad week and don't post, like it's not ideal, but I can always get back on and post again. Such a great mindset to have, especially since our field, as you mentioned, does attract so many A-type people. It's very easy to feel like once you're off the track that, oh, I might as well not even bother putting my train back on the track. Instead, your mindset and approach, which I think is so beautiful, is turn up imperfectly. Just show up. You don't have to explain. Just do what you can. Recognize that there. this is going to take time to come up with a structure and a system that works for you. You can get support and mentorship to keep you accountable. But regardless, showing up imperfectly is going to help lead to sales, which is awesome. No, absolutely. And like, I always liken it to my clients. Like I would hate if my clients only ever saw me if they had a perfect month. So like, I need my clients to turn up when they haven't had a perfect month. And I'm the same. Like, I'm just like, you know, I, I don't have to be this picture perfect kind of dietitian. And like, I don't look like it. Like I'm, you know, I've got tattoos. I color my hair. Like I don't look like you're trying to textbook, like what you would like insist on, like, Oh, you know, like, you know, small petite white kind of like, you know, like that, that real kind of like that real typical image of a dietitian. I don't look like that. If like, if I'm in a session and it's an older teenager, I'll swear in the session because like, I'm just like, I want to build rapport. Like I want to, I want to make you feel like, you know, this isn't like some, just another adult telling you what to do. And so I just go, well, I want to bring that to my Instagram. I want to bring that part of my personality. I don't want to be this polished, perfect dietitian because I'm not. And I'm all about, you know, you just got to be a little bit better each time you're doing something. So I'm the same. As long as I'm a little bit better each time I'm doing something, that's all I can expect of my clients. That's all I expect of me. Oh, that's so great. And on the subject of Instagram and speaking to your client and words that make them feel comfortable, can you tell us a little bit how you leverage Instagram to market and sell your services? Absolutely. So I, I have obviously a, a link in my bio, which can take them straight to either a discovery call or just booking straight in with me. I get a lot through Facebook. So Facebook also does a little bit of like email to me, but 
the Instagram is definitely the DMs. I get a lot of DMs through Instagram and that's where I mainly leverage a lot of my clients from. Um, and generally it'll be after, like if I, I find once I start posting consistently, you give me two weeks, three weeks where I've been posting like every day, suddenly they, the DMs just start coming. And it's, it's such a linear thing. And I knew this when I first started, when I first started like three years ago and I first started my Instagram, I got a lot of traction and people contacted me through my Instagram and it was amazing. And then I kind of forgot that that was a thing and just sort of let it go to nothing. And what I've discovered is every time I've let it go to nothing, the, the leads kind of go away a little bit, but then every time I pick it back up, they come back. So it, it's this beautiful kind of like, Oh, if I'm looking at my list or looking at building like, you know, better sales or more clients, what have I done on my Instagram? Have I posted? Nope. Okay, cool. Well, that's going to be my focus this month. I've got to really get back on my Instagram because I know it just, it just generate, I can't explain it any clearer than posting on Instagram generates sales. Like it, it just does. <laughs> you know what? That's the best answer. I love it. Simple. <laughs> Showing up. Yeah. Perfect. Everyone go get yourself a free account. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But this, yeah, it's the thing. I, I think, I look at some of the dietitians that I really respect, like from just a pure clinical or pure, like the way they work. And I look at their Instagram, there's just like nothing there. And I'm just like, oh, like it, it's just, it's almost disappointing. Cause like, I'm like, oh, like you could be so much better if you just did this versus like other dietitians, which I also really respect that, that, that do shop every day. Like I had like thousands of, you know, like you just see how well they engage and they know that that works too. And it just, I don't know, it just creates such a, there's either the dietitians that are and the dietitians that are not. And there's no right or wrong answer to this, but if you're trying to generate sales and you're trying to run your own business, you've got to be a, a dietitian that turns up on Instagram. Simple as that. Absolutely. Love it. I absolutely love that. And when you're showing up on Instagram, can you walk us through the process of creating the posts that you share to your client as well as their family? Uh, yeah. So I will generally flick between a producty kind of post. So like talking about something like maybe like what best muesli bars there are or just general misconceptions that parents seem to have. So might be around sugar or might be around, you know, kombucha or might be around things that like, you know, stuff where parents go, Oh, well, I've heard, I've heard this or I've heard that. So I try and do a bit of a clarification post as well. I think of it as like, and that's normally associated with a video that's on my story. So I'll do a little post that's got like the main beats of it, but then also a, a story video, which kind of goes in a bit more detail detail and again people just get to see me and hear me talk and then it'll be a post that's more to do with the pain points so for mine it's not growing my, my major pain point is not growing while your peers are growing and not improving because you're not growing so I'll lean on that pain point and then I will generally do something a little bit more like personal so either something from my history or something about you know a client quote or something and something to that effect that's such a solid strategy and I love that you're basically doing what works because it, the way you you're telling it sounds like you've, you've tried out a lot of things and you're very clear about what you post and you're posting about their pain point. You're sharing your personal story. And oftentimes you're sharing the products because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of questions around that. And I think it's, it's really helpful when people are able to really understand their ideal client so much that they know the content they need to post to attract their ideal client. Yeah, I think a big hurdle at the start for me was just feeling like I was posting the same thing all the time and I was always trying to reinvent the wheel. Like I was always trying, oh, but like their pain points this, but maybe I should say this. Or maybe that, like, and like spending way too long just kind of trying to like make a new post every time. Like, no, like yeah, post basically the same said slightly differently. Post exactly the same said 
slightly differently or posted instead of being a you know one of the little like a uh, board post put in the letters make it a twitter handle one or make it a make it a one where it's it's a text one like basically just keep saying the same thing because you need to drive that point home and people and when a client, like a potential client sees your post it's not the first post that they're going to react to they're going to see the first one and be like oh cool and i see the second one and be like oh that's right that person does that and then i see the third one and be like oh yeah, that person does that. Like people don't remember. So you just need to keep reminding them in the same way that clients don't always remember the nutrition advice you give them. And you need to remind them that, hey, half a plate of veggies is a better idea or remind them that, hey, juice has calories. Like, you know, it's about reminding them just things that you assume they know and they forget. And we do it where we forget in session and we forget on our Instagram, but it's about just driving the points home and reminding them because we're all busy. We all forget things. So if we can just simplify it and go, I am the person who works with adolescents. I am the person who works with growth. I am the person to see if your adolescent is not performing and not growing. That That's the beats of it. As long as everything I say is around that, that's all I need to say. Again, perver- like I've got my jazz snap hands over here. You are nailing that point so much. A lot of Libby's program is about seeing what is working and not trying to reinvent the wheel. And oftentimes I know for myself personally, I was caught up in, I need to create something new. And I love that you're challenging those that are starting to bring their business online to think about how much you repeat your nutrition advice to your clients. Take that same advice when you are posting to social media, you're going to have to reiterate on Instagram, the same thing about veggies, the same thing about vitamin E, the same thing about carbs, the same thing about kombucha, and an uncomfortable amount. But don't freak out about it not being new. Change it so it's a text, or maybe now you've changed the font, or maybe you've changed a photo, but you don't have to do everything from scratch. No, and the thing is that we know that like the stuff that, you know, like I said, I'm working in growth and I'm working in performance. We know that there's minutiae in that. We know that there's specific details in that, but that's when you're talking individually to someone. You're not talking like, you know, when you're talking to that ideal client, you're talking about the main pain points. And then, you know, after that, if any of it sort of resonates with them, then they can come to you and be like, oh, um, you know, I just had a blood test and I'm iron deficient, or I've just had this, or like, I'm not, you can then work in all those little minutiae points. Big picture stuff. You don't need to do minutia when you're on your Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Macro lens when you're on your feed and then coaching, you can go micro. Such a good point. Such a good point. So once you figured out what you needed to do on Instagram, would you say that it was perfect or did you struggle? And then if you did struggle, can you share with us a little bit about that and how you turned it around? It was a struggle. It was such a struggle. I didn't know what I wanted. It was that paralysis by analysis. It was the perfection over delivery. Like it was all, all the things that we do as dietitians where we're like, oh, well, I can't send this email yet because it's not perfect. I got to make sure I read it 17 times and make sure I send it. Like, no, like I was really, yeah, very, very anxious about posting and didn't know what I wanted to post. And I was sitting in one of the group calls and one of the other girls had a question about her post and she showed, I, I saw her post and went, okay, I'm going to go on her Instagram, see like what she's doing. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. That's really easy. Like she had one of the letterboards and I'm like, that seems like an easy way to make posts. So I got a letterboard. Then I saw someone else using a Twitter handle things. I'm like, well, that's easy. So, and I just started doing it because 
I was like, well, the worst comes to worst is that I don't get very many likes and I don't get, you know, I don't get a whole lot of insight. And that in itself is good because I can know that that format didn't work or what I was saying there didn't work. And I can try what I'm saying in a couple of different formats. And if that's not resonating, eh, out it goes. Like, but it just took me a long time to sort of go, hey, there might be a post that doesn't do very well. That's okay. Like there's no Instagram police coming to get you for a post that didn't do very well. Like you can just post and if it doesn't do very well, oh, well, you can post again tomorrow. And as long as you're not outwardly putting out bad information and outwardly, you know, saying things that are incorrect, like no one's going to know, like no one's going to know that you made a slight error and something. If it's liked, it's liked. And I, I had the real turning point was I had one post that just went bang. Like it just like, I, like my engagement and my insights just went nuts. And I was like, what about that post went really well? And I like dissected it and I tried a different, I tried that format and the format seemed to be part of it. Pain points seemed to be part of it and just seemed this beautiful kind of collation of like that post is still one of my most popular posts. It just happened to go amazing. But that was really the start. Like once I got that one where people engaged and I'm like, okay, distill this. What is working here? Is it the format? Is it what I'm saying? Is it my face? Like what, what is working here? And then I try a few different ones. I'm like, okay, this works better than this, or this doesn't work so better with this. And that in the program, you've got like the Instagram tools where you can like just analyze all those different things and just go, cause I'm a data person. Most dietitians are like, I like just knowing what's working from a data perspective. And this allowed me to turn Instagram into data. And then I could go, Oh, cool. This works. This doesn't next. This works, this doesn't, next, cool. And try a format for a month. And if that format just flops for a month, then hey, that format doesn't happen anymore. So I love your process so much because you're absolutely correct. Perfection over delivery will literally block people from reaching their sales goals. And if you're an anxious person, just listen to what she just said. You can do multiple formats of the same concept, just different formats instead of stressing yourself out and just figuring out from the numbers, what can you do better? Instead of saying, oh, it failed and the Instagram police, I love that, the Instagram police is gonna come get me. Just be like, okay, it didn't work, let me try something else. And then until you know for sure it's not working, you can move on, but don't stress yourself out. Just get on there and start posting. I think a big thing was getting over the vanity metrics as well. Like sometimes a post wouldn't get a huge amount of likes, but I get DMs from it. And I'm like, well, shit, like I don't care that I didn't get the normal amount of likes I got on this. I had three new people message me. So you know what? I'll take, I'll take a lower like vanity metric. Because I, 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 for me, like obviously likes matter to a certain extent, but clients and getting sales is what actually matters. I am not an Instagram model. Likes are not my life. Like I need to drive people to me. I don't need a massive following. I don't need to have a million likes. What I do need is people interested in my services. What I do need is people knowing who I am. And so I turned off my notifications for Instagram likes. So I, I don't, I don't get any notifications about that. Still get notifications about DMs, still get notifications about the other stuff, but turn off my Instagram likes one because I was like, you know what? It's just distracting me through the day. All I want to do is post and ignore. And then like, if I get DMs, great, I'll, I'll address them, but I don't want to be caught up in the vanity metrics of Instagram. Ooh, I'm going to take that tip. I love that. Such a great tip to just focus on what matters. And that's getting DMs and getting sales. The likes, the comments, maybe if your ideal client is messaging you, sure, but really focusing on what's making you money and not stress about the other stuff. Very, very good advice. And now that you have mastered the content creation process and you've gotten really clear about who you serve, 
you have an offer that you're pitching to your clients. So with respect to your offer, can you tell us what has been your biggest challenge and what was surprisingly easier than expected when presenting it to them? So my offer still, like I'm still in the offering the single, well, single sessions is interesting because I don't actually offer single sessions. What I generally offer clients is you will do an initial session with me and then we'll talk about what the plan is from that point because I don't know how long I want to work with a client. And like I've worked with clients for three years. Like I've worked with clients since I've started. I was all like that the way the private practice works, at least here in Australia, is a lot of the time you see a dietitian, they kind of set up a schedule in which you're probably going to see them. So most of my guys are every four to six weeks and it's not paid in advance. Like it's pay, pay as you go. But if you build that relationship, they just keep coming back. So like I eventually do want to offer like a bump or even a program online that parents like ascribe to to sort of help them sort of figure out their teenagers going and if they need any more help and what they can do. But realistically, like I'm still in that sort of early stage, um, only because that's how I've always worked. I'm a little bit resistant to change sometimes. It's been great because people are like I'm much more confident in just saying, This is my prices, this is how much it costs to see me for an hour. We will organize a plan after that and this is what it will be. And people are just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like it's, I've gotten a lot more confident in just saying what my prices are and saying that, you know, this is what's involved and that there's just this expectation that you continue to see me. And I'll then emphasize that in session and be, you know, you, if you are growing and you are changing, I need to see you as you change because stuff will change as you go. Like it's a very specific market where it's not going to be the same nutrition for them all year. And it's not going to be the same nutrition year in, year out. It changes all the time. So I very much lean on that for my personal clients, but you can use that for any client. I use that a lot for my sort of gen pop clients. I'm like, you are not the same person throughout the year. Like sometimes you're doing, you know, lots of exercise and sometimes work gets in the way and sometimes you have family staying with you. And so you can use those kind of points to sort of help people come back. I've always been quite you know, without being, without, without being stuck up, I have always been quite good at getting clients to come back because I feel like I instill why I'm important. And I think that's probably the biggest part of instilling why you're important and why you're worth more than just sitting down with me for an hour. Oh, I love that. I love that you said that you're more confident now that you've gone through the program, you've learned how to really assert yourself when it comes to those crises. And something that was easier than expected was you already know because of you're educated and you know what you're capable of. So that was something that came naturally. But a lot of people can relate to the fear of telling prices and being confident and assertive about that. So thanks for sharing that because I think a lot of people get worried and they were like, oh, I'm not good at selling and really pricing myself. So are a lot of people. It's a common struggle. You're not alone. You're in good company. But with practice, you can do it. Well, I always liken it to like a Chanel bag. Like I never see advertising for a Chanel bag, but I know how much they cost. And I feel like, you know, you are not a $10 handbag at a market. You are a Chanel handbag. Like you, you are worth your value. And if people, if people can't afford that, that's okay. But like you are a Chanel handbag. You don't come down. Like <laughs> I love you so much. This is such a great interview. Oh my gosh. You are on it. I need that on a shirt. <laughs> I am a Chanel handbag. <laughs> I do not come down on value. I love it. I love it. So can um, you share a little bit since we're talking about money and Chanel handbags? Can you talk about how much you've made in the program and what's your next financial goal for yourself? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the first things I spoke to Libby about when I was coming into the program, she was like, well, how much do you need to make from dietetics? Like how much do you need? And because I, I have a, I have a, another, I still work as a swim coach part-time. So I still have that because only because I love it. Like it's not really, it's not a money-making scheme. Anyone who's been worked in sport can tell you it's not a money-making scheme. I just do it because I love it. But I was doing that and I was making about on average for the five months leading into COVID about two grand a month from dietetics from the various clinics I was working at, like really, really not a lot. So the first month I opened my clinic, I made just shy of six grams. That was July. Um, And then this month, obviously we're still in August. We've got another week left of August and it's on, I'm on track to be more like six and a half grand this month. Now I've got a few more expenses than I did previously because I've got a brick and mortar office, but by far and away, like just seeing more clients and seeing more of the clients I want to see. I've seen so many new teenagers and I've seen so many new kind of sports people. And it's just been, it's just been such a, such a positive reinforcement for that. And so Right, I basically made the goal at the start of financial year this year. I actually, I, don't, I think you guys might, I'm not sure if you guys work the same as us from a financial, from July to June, but that sort of financial year time. So from the start of my office, basically, I have decided I'm making six figures this year. I've never made six figures in a year in my life. So I, that is my goal for this year. And I'm well on track at the moment with the rate of growth I'm seeing to, to sort of do that quite easily. So Yay, incredible. 6,000 in July and 6,500 in August. And people are so afraid of starting a business during this time. And you're literal proof that it's possible if you put your mind to it and have the right coaching and guidance. I love this. This is awesome. From 2,000 to 6,000? Yeah. <laughs> mind blown. Mind blown. It was just, it was such an easy thing. I think like COVID for a lot of people has obviously been very dramatic and there's been lots that happened, but like I've loved it because I, I do a lot more telehealth now. So I see, I see people interstate. I even had a client where she lives in Brisbane. I normally see her in person, but you know, they were busy and they got some blood test results. Like, Hey, can we just book in for like a quick phone call kind of session? I'm like, absolutely. And it's just been, just been so easy. And I think like it's something where COVID has been so helpful in health because it's allowed us like I, again I don't know how exactly your insurances yeah. work over there but our insurances have allowed us to now claim for online health as well so we used to not be able to do doctors claims and stuff for online health and now we can so yeah yeah they made that change here as well which has been great for a lot of people who wanted to reach out to clients that are out of state which is yeah. incredible and since we're talking about telehealth and showing up especially on Instagram how would you say you've like worked to really be confident showing your face within your practice and part of that being showing up on Instagram so you can grow your practice and get more leads? Oh, so I used to like, I'm sort of was very self-conscious about how I sort of looked and sort of like I, a lot of my Instagram when I first started was very much like every other dietitian's Instagram, like clients and food like those are the two things I posted that was clients and food because that that's what I do right clients and food um but the second I started putting like my face out there that was the other thing that made dms just kind of fly in because and even little like people just know what I look like and people can hear me and people can hear what I say rather than just so I I do a lot of like odd selfies so I find my face is quite an expressive face so I tend to use a lot of with my eyebrows I have very big glasses like I you know gesticulate a lot with my hands like I'm someone who has one of those kind of real character faces like I'm, I've never been that real kind of like I don't know I've 
people remember my face. I had one of those faces where people go, I met you like three years ago. I'm like, shit, really? <laughs> so I, I've always, so I just lent hard into that. So I make silly faces now. And again, it's part of that being appealing to teenagers. Teenagers make silly faces and use silly filters. And so I found that that made such a difference, even just like turning up then on Zoom and stuff like that, because I was like, well, you know, this is what I look like. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I do my makeup, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes my hair's done and sometimes it's not. And I, I'm just so much more confident with just being like being me on my Instagram. And it just, again, just made it more about my content and being like, this is what I am. This is what I look like. This is my face. And it's people just engage so well with that. People just love it. So that's such a valuable nugget because a a lot of people struggle again with everything having to be perfect, makeup, filter, blah, blah, blah. And it's really just showing up as you are and that's enough and people will appreciate it because they see you as a real person. So I appreciate you sharing that. I know a lot of people could really, really use that advice so they can gain the confidence and assurance that it's okay. Just do it. It's going to help. You're going to get more leads. So for those people out there that are nervous about showing their face and getting online, what advice would you give to someone starting out? Definitely the showing your face was easier to get my head around because they're going to see you in person anyway, regardless if it's like online for your clinic, like they're going to you anyway. They want to know who they're seeing. And it just makes it so much easier for people to trust you. People trust a face so much more than they trust text, than they trust, you know, a pu- perfectly curated photo. Like we all, we all have seen Instagram photos where we're like, <laughs> I wonder how, I wonder how much that's been edited or I wonder how much that's been adjusted. And I think just if you are just starting out and not sure what to post and you, you know, you're scared of sh- like showing your face, just show your face. If you're confident enough, do a quick little video, do a quick little Q&A. People love it. People will engage. People want to see you. We, we interact and trust people, not posts. We interact and trust people, not like, you know, not how knowledgeable you are. They want, they want to see your face. We are at our core, like connectors and human beings, and we need to connect with other human beings. Oh, yes. People want to interact with people, not robots, not these perfectly edited people. So true. So true. So this has been a wonderful interview. Thank you so much for taking time. I just want to ask you one last question. What's next for your business? I know you mentioned six figures. Is there anything else? Uh, yeah, so I've got a couple of things in the works. Um, office is going really well and it's looking like I should be able to expand in about six months time. So I'll probably be like hiring people for underneath me, which will be cool. But in terms of like things that I'm going to be really working on through my Instagram, I have a product that I'm sort of in the works of developing as well, which will be specifically for those teenage athletes. And I'll be doing a lot and probably putting together a bundle that'll go with that product as well. So there's a lot on the horizon. I've got about six months so it's basically to the end of the year is you know nose the grindstone just doing what I do best but yeah definitely the first six months of next year is so a lot a lot of those kind of like I said a million ideas that kind of go and I just have to like timeline them to make sure they're in the right order awesome thank you so much Sam and as a reminder to the listeners you can find her at peak underscore potential underscore nutrition on Instagram, as well as social media pages like Facebook without the underscore. Yep, absolutely. It's been wonderful to chat to you. Awesome. Thank you so much.
If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.